It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello, and welcome to the BBC Country Farm Magazine podcast, and the second episode in Season 3. This episode was recorded at the Timber Festival last July, which was held in the National Forest in Leicestershire. Historian Eleanor Rosamond Barraclough spent the day enjoying music, crafts and art associated with woodlands in what is the world's only international forest festival. One of Eleanor's highlights was meeting forester Stuart Freeman and his horse Breeze, Together, they manage woodlands using horse logging rather than machinery and have formed an amazing bond. It's a truly delightful tale that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Breezy, come on. Walk on. Walk on. Walk on. You've got to get him out of grass mode. He likes grass. It's funny that. It's nothing it's funny, something you it? ever associate with horses, I know. right? I know. Walk on, Breezy, now. Walk on. Go on. Get on. Get on. We're in a clearing by the edge of the trees in the National Forest with a couple of guests, one of whom is a little bit preoccupied at the moment. You can probably hear he's, 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 he's been eating an awful lot of grass and he's now having to walk on so he can be shown off around, around the site. But I think the other guest is slightly more talkative. So, Stuart, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Stuart Freeman, and I'm uh, the managing director of Total Tree Services. This is my horse Breeze. He's 11 years old now, and I've had him since he was two years old. And his main job is uh, uh, logging in woodland, taking out timber, doing bracken control and uh, bramble control. Tell me what horse logging actually is, because it's it's not something most people are going to have heard of these days, is it? No, it's a, it's a, it's growing though. People are people are starting to focus on this low impact method of timber extraction, 
and, uh, and working woodlands. It's basically the ability to, to remove timber uh, when you're in the felling season without damaging the floor and the fauna level. If you take tractors into the woodland, you can extract large volumes of timber, but the damage there in the woodland caused by the tractors is massive. It sometimes makes the place look like the Somme. And that kind of damage in a woodland takes seven years to begin to repair. Now, we can work alongside machinery with the horse. We work in the woodland where it's delicate. The, the tractors can stay on the ride, the metallized paths, waiting for us to build a 10-ton load up, come along, pick the 10 tons and, and drive off. But the woodland is being carefully managed by the horse and the, and the damage minimised. In fact, the horse moving in the woodland, I call it disturbance to the, to the ground, not damage, and he actually disturbs the seed bed that's been there for hundreds of years. And after we've worked the woodland, we get natural regeneration occurring. So the necessity to plant the woodland thereafter has gone because the horse will disturb the seeds and the seeds will naturally grow. So then what sort of woodland is this method of logging most suitable for? Is it, is it open, quite young woodland, say coppicing, or are we talking big, heavy, ancient trees? All of the above. Obviously, horses for courses, but we can work every kind of situation and there's an implement to do every kind of job. It's more about who is going to choose to use low-impact methods. That's our struggle, is getting people to take this on board. Now, I did this with Bradgate Park. I uh, wondered how I could get involved and get them to actually consider it as a management uh, choice. And I challenged them to a duel. I said, I'll challenge you to a duel of timber extraction, my horse against your tractor, and to give you a chance, I'll only bring the little one. So they fell about laughing, and I, I turned up with, with Breeze, and as I got him off the, the air lorry, they were kind of sniggering to themselves, thinking, this is never going to do the job. We went into the woodland, and uh, they'd got lots and lots of trees felled already. I uh, walked in, and they said, don't worry if you can't move at all, we'll understand. So within an hour and a half, Breeze had finished all of his work. The tractors had done half of theirs, and made it look a mess, made it look a right mess. So did and, you get the contract? Yes, so they got it straight away. What a great way of you know, proving that it is a, is a, it is a real choice and a, a very good choice as well. And we, we with them, like I said, keep your tractors in the, in the rides, we'll bring the timber to you and they extract it and the, the, the damage is minimised. So tell me more about how it actually works because here's Breeze going up the hill, he's attached to this rather squeaky, pretty low-tech metal harness, isn't he? It's probably, what, eight, ten feet long, two little tractor wheels at the bottom, yeah. and then there's a little bit of something... Keep, what, what, what's this sponge stuff attached on top? <laughs> so that, that doesn't do anything for the logging. That's just, if I ever sit and ride it, I can demonstrate. Hold oh, go on. on, yeah, you can... Uh... That's my seat, basically. Oh, this is your seat! OK, so now you're getting on... <laughs> Oh no, so, that, so this so is now, like an old fashioned, like the sort of this gypsy is, This is like your Rolls Royce now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now we can go a bit faster, is that the idea? Well, it's more, it's more, if we're working on a train like that and I'm going to have to come down that hill, rather than me walking down there and risking slipping over, if I sit on the machine like this, there's no way I can lose control of the horse. So the horse's welfare is, is before everything. 
we can we always work in pairs with the horse so that if anything happens to anybody there's somebody there to take over to look after the welfare but to be quite honest from experience when we when we work in uh, especially uh, amenity woodland we we in one of the situations that I, I started horse logging we had a volunteer task force of about 30 people that would come and work along with us for free and they even came up to me you know when they got to know me and used to say to me look Stuart I love coming to do this it's like therapy when I'm working with you all my troubles disappear when I'm just thinking about what we're doing so there we are within a real job in the woodland community is starting to happen people are talking to each other making friends and also they're listening to me before I uh, you did horse logging I'd never had a horse in my life I decided to do this as a, as a low-impact method. Three weeks into my employer's arranger, I met David Attenborough, and he inspired me to try to do my best within the woodland I was in charge of. Therefore, I, I looked into the horse logging and, and thought, that's it, that's the one. And I, I generated this volunteer task force that worked alongside me. And it, it's, it's turned it from a, a situation where people wouldn't talk to me about why we're taking these trees down, to a situation where they were just interested to know why we've got a horse there, can we come and help? And then I could educate people about the reason we're doing tree felling in this woodland. And the reason in that woodland was because the trees were planted during the war in a, in a deciduous woodland. There were conifers and pines and the purpose was for pit props. Now, Natural England wanted it all out and returned back to as it should have been. But the public obviously didn't understand that. And the moment I got the horse there... They, was, they were wanted to talk to me and I was able to educate and talk and I think do my job as a ranger as best I could. So tell me more about your background. How do you, like you say, you never owned a horse before Breezy. What did you do and how did you end up meeting David Attenborough? So I, I was 30... We're having a, a 180 degree turn. Wait, there we go. Well, that, see that turn I've just done? I've just literally turned immediately round. A tractor can't turn like that. And that's the benefits of a horse. You know, we can do turns and twists in a woodland. So you can do continuous cover tree management. You don't have to clear fell. We can specifically target trees to take out. So I was, going back to your question there, I was 25 years arboriculture and forestry background and uh, machinery was the only thing I knew. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that horse logging existed until I was employed by the council to manage this 100-acre triple SI site. And where was that? And that's in Charnwood called the Outwoods. And like I say, three weeks into my employ, David Attenborough was there. He was filming part of the Origin of Species uh, programme. And uh, like I say, meeting somebody as significant as that really inspired me to, to want to do better. And talking, talking to, the, to the people in the woodland that, that would listen, there was few of them, when we were doing uh, tree management, they had a very blinkered view about what we were doing and they wouldn't really discuss why, why we were doing this management. And like I say, I thought, I thought well, I'm, I've just met David Attenborough. I want to do my best. I want to do my best for these people that are using this site as, as recreation. Uh, so I, I, like I say, went and uh, went on a course with a guy called Doug Joyner, who was at the time the head of the horse uh, British Horse Loggers, 
patron by Prince Charles. He used to take Prince Charles's Christmas tree to him, and William and Harry had been on uh, Ella, Ella, his horse, his big pair on. So I went with Doug, learned how to do it, and then went on a, a qualifi qualified course with Doug, got qualified, and then bought himself this horse. And for the first couple of years, I just used to long rein him around the roads, getting used to him. He was only two when I got him. He's 11 now. So we've had a long journey, and like the hardest journey I think I'm on at the moment is getting woodland owners to actually use us. That's where that's where we need support now. We need we've started this off. I'm not worried about the amount of time and money that I put into it. That standing in front of me is what I'm concerned about. He deserves the chance to have a working life in, in our modern world. And and the opportunities are all around us. Here, here on this site where we are, on any, any woodland site throughout England, there is woodlands where, where horses deserve to be working and public deserve to see that. They're, we're so remote from this, this uh, idea of a working horse. And some people you know, have opinions that it might be cruel, but it's not. You know, it's, I love this horse, this horse is my boy. And there's no way I'd put him in any situation that I don't think he should be in. I, I, I don't want him to get hurt. And that's the, the, the biggest thing you know, for, for them. Well, he does seem like a very happy horse, doesn't it? Tell me more about the sort of background of horses as a plane flies directly overhead. There we go, he's still in the modern world. <laughs> what sort of horses make the best horse loggers? I mean, he's, he's pretty stocky, isn't he? He's... I don't know, he's not a shire horse, is he? But he's, he's not, a mini. He's, a lot of people think he's a, thinks he's a shire horse, but he's actually just a gypsy cop. So he's not even a horse, he's, he's a pony. He's 14-2 in size. Um, but the, you say, what, what kind of horse makes a good logging horse? And my answer to that is a calm one. doesn't matter how big or small it is. There's a, there's a horse, horses for courses. There's a job for, for big horses, there's a job for small horses. You can have one horse pulling... Uh, timber you could have four horses as a team pulling bigger timber so you could have four of this size horse and you'd get a lot of work done you know without the necessity of a big tall horse so you can you, you can like have these with with four of them in a row rather yeah. than just one with a small yeah so you wouldn't have this implement because obviously this is a shafted implement that fits over one horse and this is the the metal frame that yeah that the, the timber by. arch timber arch um so this is something i'd i uh drew on a, a on a piece of paper took it to a, uh, the bell foundry in Loughborough and they made this for me Wait, so this is your design so this, this supported local business you know and then they went on to make me a timber carrier as well a, a log forwarder uh, again, so how I, does that work how, where, where does the wood go can you I, I don't know how easy is it to so, describe but. so when you look at the when you look at the arch you've got shafts that come from the side of the side of the horse All traveling back to yeah. around about four foot behind the horse there's a there's a frame and on the top of the frame, there's some, some slots. And basically, them slots are for a chain to, to drop into and lock so that they can't fall out. The chain gets snigged around the timber, wrapped around the timber. You lift the log up, put it in the slot, and that, that um, means that there's no friction on the wood at all. It's, it's held in the air. You could put your foot underneath the log from front to, to back, and the only piece of friction would be on the back. Therefore, the weight isn't on the horse; it's on the it's on this this bar that, that, that the the chains uh, sat on. And that's the one you're sitting on. Yeah, as well. that, yeah, that that there. And, and you notice how sloppy the machine is. That's designed so that if we hit a stump as we're moving forward, it doesn't jar on the horse's body. The machine moves, 
And if, if we go too close to a tree, you'll see this, this piece of uh, metal that's, that's beyond the wheel. Like a triangle coming yeah, out. Yeah, it's almost like a guard, frame. isn't it? Guarding yeah, the wheel. Yeah. What happens if you go too close to a tree as you're passing by it, that will push the, the arch away from the tree. So that if it wasn't there, the, the wheel would just stop on the tree and the horse again would get jarred. So this is designed to work perfectly through really th uh, thick woodland. So breaking into to first thinnings, things like that, this machine is excellent for. So it's, I mean, it, it sounds a little bit, you might say rickety, but actually yeah. it's, that's not it at all. That's it's designed it's like design, that. Yeah, it's designed to move so that it doesn't, doesn't it, it's not a stiff thing on the horse's body. So it's very quick release as well. Look. Oh God, so how do so we, the, coming the, up to the horse? If, if the horse was to, if the horse was to put his foot in a, a hole, a badger hole, a rabbit hole, or whatever, gets into a situation, the first thing he's trained to do is to just stop, stand still. And if, if my horse stands still, then I know there's something wrong. The, the second handle will get to the head like Alison's doing at the moment and hold on to the reins, controlling the horse. I can then quite happily let go of the reins. I can have a look at what's going on with the horse. And you're literally underneath I'm the underneath, horse right I'm underneath the horse it's now. It's very chill about it, isn't it? And this just demonstrates how well this horse is trained. So if we find that, there's a, if we find that there is a problem, we can, and we can't get the foot out of the hole with this machine here because it's, it's full of timber, we can very quickly take the carabiner off and get the machine and off that's it. You, within it's, seconds it's the away from and the horse is out. So there's a lot of, lot of design got into this machine to make it as quick release and as horse friendly and kind as possible. And, and to be quite honest, Breeze loves working with us. He, he likes his job, he loves being with us. We've got a very strong bond and a, and a massive understanding of each other. You know, I've had him since he was two, he's 11 now. You know, that's a long-term commitment. Yeah. So with how you train him, with the machinery, well, I don't even want to say machinery, the equipment attached to him, is that drawing on traditional logging methods or is this something you've had to develop yourself? Uh, no, this, this is Swedish timber. So it, uh, abroad, this is just normal for them, for horses to be working in, in woodland. It's us that need to catch up, to be quite honest. So this is a Swedish harness that's designed not by me, by the, the, the saddlers over there. You send off the, your measurements to them. They send you a, a diagram with a horse, picture of a horse, asking you to measure in certain places. You put the measurements into them places and they bring you, send you back this harness after you've parted with £2,000. That's a bargain. I mean, look at that, that quality. And this, this is based on a Swedish timber arch. So, again, I've, I've, copied, I've copied their design. Some of the arches have a little ratchet on the back to lift really heavy logs up. You, you put, a, put a chain in the, in the block system, turn the, turn the lever, and that lifts up the log. Um, I, I, I've uh, not quite got the money to stretch to one of them yet, so bring me some work in. <laughs> We'll see. I mean, like, there's so much interest. Everyone walking past is just yeah. staring at, at him and you and the machine. I mean, it's yeah. I think, it's I think people like when we first got here. They're, they're, last year when we was here, um, they got a company supplying wheelbarrows to take people's camping gear down to the camping fields, and they weren't here this year. So I thought about that last year, and I brought a trailer just in case. And sure enough, they've, they've asked me to, would I mind you know, helping people move their camping gear down? So really, we welcomed the people to the site this year with, the, with offering the, their, all their kits to be took down my horse in style. And I put a big sign on the back of the trailer saying, beer is heavy. 
that, that do it. <laughs> so what traditions then are there, say, in the British Isles that you are able to draw in for this? Or have they all gone? Are you starting from scratch? Well, like I say, I'd never had, I'd, I'd never had a horse before in my life before I did this. Uh, but I didn't let that cloud my judgment. You know, I, I kind of like, um, I knew my own abilities and I, I knew if, if I didn't think I, I could do something, I'm the kind of person that will accept that and not, not let somebody else do it, contract it out. But having been on the courses with Doug, you know, I knew that this is something I could, I could grow into. And I've been lucky enough to, to, to come across that actually this horse was brought to me by some local travellers. Yeah. So there's something I drew upon. It's like the, the, the ability of these people to, to, to train their horses to this standard. And it's a, it is a testimony to the travelling community, this horse is. Um, they asked me to meet, him in, uh, meet them on a, on a country lane at 12 o'clock. We've got, we've got just the horse for you, Stuart. It'll do your job, they said. And uh, I went, OK, then, I'll meet you there. So I, I went, to the, went to this site where they told me to go. And uh, I had... I heard clip clop clip clop coming down the road and he was two years old at that point and he came down the road with a cart on his back which at two anybody out there that's uh, you know, into horses will know that's a bit early for a horse to be doing that kind of thing uh, but he had a, what they said he's got an old head on young shoulders they said don't don't carry on driving him spend some time training him and allowing his bones to grow but by that time you'll have a fantastic horse and they could see that because he was all—he wasn't this size, and he was all small and young, and still had his little baby hair, blonde bits in his tail. Um, I weren't convinced, and they said, "Look, we can tell by you what, how you are. You're not convinced about this horse. Take him. If you don't like him, bring him back. If you like him, we want fifteen hundred pounds." And here he is with me now, so you can guess the story. I took him, and uh, he was everything they said. You know, they they said they said to me, "They can't, we can't make him go fast. He drives us mad to drive." And the moment they said that, I knew what they were trying to get at. You don't need a fast horse in the woodland. You need a steady, reliable friend, and that's what he that's what he's become to me. I have to say, this is clearly a love story as well as an yeah. ecology story. I mean, yeah. your eyes light up when you talk about well, it's, it. It's hard when you when you're an, anybody that's a horse owner will understand. You know this this feeling you get, the therapy you get, you know all of these things, and that's something else we're trying to build build up. We're trying to develop a a, a course that we take into schools, so we can work with children, showing children. Um, the horse some, some inner city children probably have never even smelt or touched a horse and yeah, that's something we really want to develop working with Senko type children they've got special needs and this really will draw on the therapeutic side so we wouldn't take the machinery into there but for instance we've got a little girl here that's been on the horse before what did you think when you met the horse? I liked it did you have a sit on him? yeah Come here, let's show, them, let's show them what you did. So we, I just grabbed you like that, didn't I? And I threw you in the air and you landed on the horse. And how did it make you feel? Happy. Happy. And had you been on a horse before? No. Yeah. And she, was, she was just like that, as confident as that when she went on the first time. And it just so happens, here you are again. I have to say, he looks so still and happy with this little girl up there. I mean, tell me how you feel when you're in the middle of a wood or a forest with him, just getting on with the logging. How does it make you feel emotionally? 
to be quite to be quite honest, when 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 I'm in a working situation with the horse, it is a different environment to this. This is this is a bit of a holiday holiday feel to me. It's enjoyable. You get to do things like this with the children and talk to people. And like sometimes when I'm doing talks on sites like this, I can get a little bit emotional and I have to sort of start fighting my emotions. When I'm in, when I'm in, because um, like you know, I just love the horse so much. When I'm in work, however, it is work. You know, I am a forester. Remember, 25, well, 30 years forestry now. And when me and him are in the horse, he's different and I'm different. We we have got an attack, a professional attack, and and we get lots and lots of timber out. Um, so it makes me. It make, at the end of the day, me and him go for a beer together, like you would a mate. <laughs> Because you've done our day's work, you deserve a reward, don't you? So it, it, it makes you feel, it makes you feel really, really um, fulfilled. Well, it makes me feel very fulfilled in my choice to even consider this. So does it feel like a more natural pace? I mean, both for working within a forest with its slow seasonal growing, but also just as a human animal living in the world. It, it does. It, 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 to be honest, it, you know, historically, England has got a massive history of horses working in the, in the woodland. I mean, in the war, the land girls worked the horses in the woodland. And not many people know that. And, and uh, to, to me... When my when it's there to be witnessed actually, when the horses go into the woodland and start their day, they almost sigh a relief that they're off the road, off the off the busy stuff. And when they enter the woodland, they're like ah, and they they chill out into the job. They know their environment, and anybody that's worked with us, whether it be the site um, rangers or the public, notice this as well. I never I never say too much about it, and I wait for people to notice it themselves. And it is you know the, the horses just love working and they love working in the woodland but i shouldn't imagine horses that do play i've never done plowing but i should imagine horses that do plowing or whatever whatever task that horses do these days it's it's a, it's a horse that's in a situation that it likes to be in and it's got companionship of its owner and the bond is huge you know people that own horses some people probably only ride them once or twice a week you know some people more obviously but you know, we're with this horse eight hours a day and beyond really it's you know that's your working day but you've got the hour before getting them ready and the hour before uh, afterwards when you're putting them away so it's a it's a huge amount of time we spend together so all them natural um feelings and emotions and you know uh, and naturally they don't even consider it it's just part of what you do okay so here we go again So you see the, the bells that are on the back. Oh yeah, go on, give that. Oh, it's just hanging, hanging from behind. Yeah, and there's some at the front underneath is. They're on there uh, for a purpose, really, not just for the show. When we're working in the woodland, the bells um, let people know where we are in the woodland. So if, if it's a public access site and the people are walking their dogs, they can hear the bells. And even if they don't know what it is, they know that there's something there and they may want to control their dog. Um, the chainsaw users also, uh, it's a massive health and safety thing that the bells are. The pitch of the bells actually cut through the ear defenders. So if the guy cutting the tree down um, hears, the, it, hears the bells, he knows we're coming, and he'll signal to the banksman whether it's safe for, for us to come in or whether we should stay outside of the cordon zone. So we take our direction from the chainsaw users because they're in charge of the, of the dangerous bit, as it were. And, and if it's safe, if they want us in there, the banksmen beckon us in 
and and then if if it's not they hold us until it is safe to come in and again you know the welfare of the horse is accommodated before we do anything but we'll walk on yeah let's let's head back down more grass more grass <laughs> yeah he's not going anywhere with that nice bit of grass waiting for him is he? so tell me i have a question <laughs> how's it made you feel do you know that's a really good question really zen really zen when when I got here, I mean, it's a very hot day and, you know, it takes quite a long time to get here from where I live. But just walking behind Breezy, and it's not just the pace, it's not just seeing how happy people are looking at him, engaging with him. It's even just the smell. He's got that lovely, hoarse, slightly sweet smell and he's just, he's just going on with it. He's, you know, there's... You feel totally in the moment. You know, you can't worry about all the other stuff. You're yeah. just here with him. It's quite hypnotic as well, isn't it, with the it's like, bells? It's like treacle, isn't it? <laughs> it's ah, so yeah, we're right under one, the one, trees now, one, and there's one, one, brambles and grasses and, and all sorts. But wow, Breeze is not stopping. He's heading straight in there. In fact, we're going to have to go a little bit faster to catch him up. And that big bang was one of the wheels just going straight over a tree. Do you know, I wouldn't have thought a horse was able to turn. He's just, he's turned in this tiny little space in the middle of this thick woods. It's like crufts. Crafts for logging horses. And he actually speeds up. He's going faster now he's in the woods. There we are, back over the tree. So there's an example of how manoeuvrable a horse is. Now, could you bring a tractor in here and you, you do that? couldn't get it down the, the path to start with. Could, he looked like he was really enjoying himself too. Yeah. <laughs> and you notice when he, as soon as he come in here, he turned on, I'm in a woodland mode. He's not bumbling anymore. No. He's actually attacking and, and like, here we go, this is what I'm here for. Yeah, he knows, he knows what, what we're in here for and he does enjoy it. Positive. He's, he's a happy, happy horse. Yeah. Could, well, it looks like you and Breeze have earned yourself a lunchtime pint, so... I think we should leave you too. Well, I really got to thank you for, for coming over and listening. I do, I do when I start trunder on forever and ever. But you, oh, you've managed to listen to me pleasure. well. No, it's it's been wonderful. Thank well, you thank, so thank, much. Thank you for thank choosing you. to come and talk to me. I really appreciate that. A huge thank you to Stuart Breeze and of course Eleanor for that lovely story. And we'll have more tales from Eleanor and the Timber Festival later in this series. If you'd like to attend the 2020 Timber Festival. It will take place on the 3rd, 4th and 5th of July 2020. You can find out more at timberfestival.org.uk. So that's it for this episode, but tune in next time for an adventure in the Cambrian Mountains of West Wales, where we go on an archaeological dig in search of lost relics at an ancient site. For now, head to our website at countryfile.com for more about the British countryside, or listen to more podcasts from season one and two. Every one is a unique adventure. So until next time, goodbye for now.